Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week, we're going to look at four epiphany, the fourth week after the epiphany. Now, remember, the epiphany is on January 6th. That is not a movable date. It is a movable day, but not a movable date, much like Christmas Day, December 25th, New Year's, January 1st. The epiphany is the appearing of Jesus. And we celebrate that from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, about the visit of the Magi to Jesus, bringing their gold, their frankincense, and their myrrh. And Epiphany has several weeks to it, depending on when Easter is. And Easter, obviously, is a movable date. And so, uh, depending on when Easter is, that will tell you how many weeks after the Epiphany. We're going to be looking at the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany, and as you will see in the post, the scriptures are located from Sunday to Saturday, Sunday to Saturday. We are looking at Isaiah, continuing to study the great prophet Isaiah, Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatians. We'll finish that uh, text uh, next week in 5 Epiphany with chapter 6. And then finally, we are continuing to journey with Jesus in Mark chapter 7, 8, and 9. All right, let's go right to the uh, text. You may want to have your Bibles out to follow along with me. Or as you read the post, um, uh, the scriptures that are located in the post, you may follow those as you go journey day to day. You might be listening to me on uh, your car, in your car, uh, on your phone. And just listening to this conversation, about 20 to 25 minutes, as we start the new year together, going through the Bible on a weekly basis. And I hope you enjoy these scriptures, and I'll offer some suggestions and some commentary as we look through them. All right, Isaiah 51, uh, 9 to 16. He says in 6b, 51, 6b, my salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. That is a great line to start the new year. My salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. The righteousness of God will last forever. The salvation of God is a permanent thing. And as we um, continue to read our scriptures, we can hope on that. Hear me, you who do what is right. You people who have my law in your hearts, do not fear the reproach of men or be terrified by their insults, verse 7. You know what is right. Now, one of the things that's great about working through this daily lectionary uh, in the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Gospel reading is that you'll get a very good feel for what is right, for what is true, for what is righteous and the way that we are supposed to live. You'll also get a good uh, view of who God is and who Christ is. Uh, For example, in that 6b verse, my righteousness will never fail. So God is righteous. We continue on with, uh, with 51 verse uh, 11. The ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. There's the joy of the Lord present there. Everlasting joy will be upon their heads, will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. So as we find ourselves uh, beginning this new year together and, uh, and continuing this new year together, I pray that this year will be a great year for you. 
and that the appearing of Jesus, where we celebrate Epiphany, will be made known to you. That the, the appearing of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, uh, him revealing himself to you will bring joy and gladness. He says, I, even I, this is God talking, verse 12, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you fear mortal men, the sons of men who are but grass? Verse 13, that you forget the Lord your maker who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. Again, once more, calling himself the creator of the universe. He has created us. He is righteous. Do not forget him. He will comfort us and you will have gladness and joy. He will bless you and he will take care of you. Let's move on to chapter 52, 1 through 12. Awake, awake, O Zion, verse 1. Clothe yourself with strength. Strength. Put on your garments of splendor, O Jerusalem, the holy city, the uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust. And so he's just encouraging the people with his word. Verse 7, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Will you be a person that brings good news this year? Will you be a person that brings the good news of the Lord, the good news of the gospel, as we'll see in the uh, New Testament readings? The feet of them who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. And so we have good news. We have the proclamation of peace. We have good tidings. We have ultimately the greatest gift of all, and that is the gift of salvation that God brings to us. But you will not leave in haste or go in flight, verse 12, for the Lord will go before you. That's another great way to uh, experience this epiphany. As we uh, rejoice in the Lord, he will go before us. The Lord of Israel will be your rear guard. He will be someone that comes in behind you. He will protect you from the front. He will protect you from the side. He will protect you uh, in the back, in, in the rear, what is behind you. And so he just encompasses us. He protects us. He guards us. He guides us. He brings uh, gladness and joy to us. Again, the beauty of Isaiah. Chapter 54, verse 5. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. Okay, these are wonderful uh, truths about who God is. He is your maker. He is the Lord. He is Almighty. He is the Holy One of Israel. He is a Redeemer. He is the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young only to be rejected says your God. For a brief moment, I abandon you, verse 7, but with deep compassion, I will bring you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. I pray that you all experience the compassion of God. I pray that you will experience the deep compassion of God and that he will protect you. He will guide you. He will bless you. He will take uh, him, uh, you and me under his wing as a deserted and distressed person. If you find yourself in that position today, rejected, God will be there for you. God will bless you. God will come alongside of you. Though the mountains be shaken, verse 10, and the hills removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. That's good news. For nor my covenant of peace be removed. That's good news says the Lord who has compassion on you. That's good news. So as you're reading the scriptures, 
you're reflecting on what is being read. You're trying to understand some kind of context that you find in the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. You may have a study Bible and have notes at the bottom, which will help you. Then you want to make this word applicable to what you're going through. And then as if God were speaking to you. It's very, very powerful. And those words are very powerful to sink inside of you. The great 55th chapter. Come, invitation to all. All who are thirsty, come to the waters. You have no money. Come, buy and eat. The invitation, imperative. Come, come buy wine and milk. Come without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread or your labor and what does not satisfy? Why, why spend money? Why waste your time with things that will not satisfy you and take care of you? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. Come, listen. And your soul will delight in the riches of fare. Now, what's ultimately most important is not your stomach. You know, it's not your hands. It's not your feet. It's not your mouth. It is your soul, the deepest part of your being. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. We need to listen to the Lord. We need to come to the Lord. We need to put ourselves in a position where we avail ourselves of the Lord. You may be a very busy person. You may be very active. You may have a full calendar. But there has to be space and time for coming to the Lord and listening and being with him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Verse 6 of chapter 55. Call on him while he is near. Call on him. Seek him. This is now our response to come and listen and give ear. Now he's saying, seek the Lord. Call on him. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. Seek the will of God. You and I do not think like God. We do not act like God. Our thought processes are not like God. Find out what his thoughts are. Find out what his ways are. Great chapter. Enjoy reading that entire chapter. It's fantastic. Chapter 56. Maintain justice. Do what is right. Verse 1. Do what is right. Can't go wrong by doing what is right. How do you know what's right? The word of God. What God says is right. He establishes a moral universe. He establishes what is true and just and fair. He establishes what is right or wrong. Know what those things are in your Bible. Know where they are in your Bible. Commit them to memory, if you will. And so, again, he continues to speak to us. 57, 3 to 13. Those who walk uprightly, verse 2, enter into peace. You want peace in your life? Walk uprightly. Do the things of God. Listen to him. Come to him. Enter into peace. They find rest as they lie in death. Even if you are lying in death, you have the peace of God. Even as you're getting closer to the end of your life, you have peace with God. No matter what you're going through, the peace of God is present. When you cry out for help, verse 13, let your collection of idols save you. The wind will carry all of them off. A mere breath will blow them away. The idols won't save you. The idols are not going to be able to give you healing and salvation. But the person who makes me his refuge will inherit the land and possess my holy mountain. So where, what's the wise way to live? Making God your refuge. Making him your strength. Make, listening to his voice. Coming and drinking. Coming as a thirsty person and receiving from him. Enjoy the book of Isaiah. These are beautiful chapters that millions and millions of people have, have read 
uh, over many, many, many years. Galatians. Now, as I said last week, the book of Galatians is that phenomenal book where Paul is actually upset with the people of Galatia because they are believing a different gospel, which it says in verse chapter 1, which is no gospel at all. What one needs to do is to know what the gospel is, believe the gospel, and act upon the gospel. We do not have permission to incorporate a different gospel or believe a different gospel or come up with a different gospel. This is the gospel, okay? And so he says, when the time had fully come, chapter 4, verse 4, God sent his son born of a woman born under the law. So Jesus was born of a woman to redeem those under the law. We are under the law. They were under the law, okay? And the law does not give us salvation. The law can tell us what is right or wrong. The law can show us the right path to take, but it can't help us to take that right path. It can just show it, okay? And it's important to know. We We do not want to abrogate the law. We do not want to get rid of the law. But God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, verse 6, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you an heir. So, at the right time, Jesus came into the world about 4 to 5 B.C., born in Bethlehem. Luke chapter 2. And he is going to redeem us under the law that we might find and have and receive the full rights of sons. He sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts and we are a son adopted by him and made an heir. This is gloriously good news. Once we were separated from Christ, we tried to obey the law. We tried to do all the right things. We couldn't do it. And so God sent the Holy Spirit. He sent the Lord Jesus Christ, and he died for our sins. And now we follow the Spirit of the Lord. We do what God says, again, within the framework of the law. Okay? The law has not been nullified. Jesus didn't nullify it in his time uh, in the Gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let's go to the second half of chapter 4. Okay? In the second uh, half of chapter 4, we see verses uh, 4, 12 to 20 on Tuesday and 4, 22 to 31 on Wednesday. And he talks about the concern for the Galatians in verses 8 to 20. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather have been known by God, how is it that you're turning your, your back to those weak and miserable principles? See, they, they went back to the former principles and staying instead of staying ahead and adopting and being renewed in the new principles which are in Christ. We see that in chapter 1, which I talked about last week. Tell me, verse 21, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? Okay, you want to be under the law, but aren't you aware of what it says? It's written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. This is Isaac and Ishmael. His son by the slave woman, Hagar, was born in the ordinary way, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of a promise, Isaac. Now, which was better? The better was Isaac and the promise. 
Ishmael and Hagar was not the right way. That was the natural way. That was the ordinary way. You don't want the ordinary way in your life, uh, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen. You want the power of the Spirit, as we'll see in chapter 5 in just a minute. Okay? And so, now you brothers, chapter 4, verse 28, like Isaac are children of promise. At that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. Ishmael, Isaac. It is the same now. Okay? Therefore, brothers, we are not, verse 31, children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Being a child of the promise in the Lord, instead of the promise uh, or being a child of the slave woman, according to the law. Again, the law has its place, but it cannot save you. And so we go to the great chapter 5, 16 to 24, and then 25 to 610. Galatians 1, 1 to 15, first on Thursday, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. Do not be held captive by a false gospel. Do not be held captive by your sin. You were called to be free, verse 13. Do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. You and I do not have permission to indulge the flesh. We do not have permission to do whatever we want to do. So God tells us to serve one another in love. Verse 13b. The entire law, verse 14, is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourselves. But if you keep on dividing, biting and devouring one another, check out, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. This is the way you're supposed to live. How am I supposed to live? Verse 16, live by the Spirit. And if you live by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature, which come naturally to us, the flesh. The sinful nature desires, verse 17, what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are at odds with one another. They buck one another. They are completely opposite. The power of the flesh, which all of us have, which is sinful, and the power of the Spirit, which is supernatural. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. I'm sure you've felt that many times in your life. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You're being obedient to the Spirit of God. Then he talks about the acts of the sinful nature, and he lists them in chapter 5, 19, 20, 21, and 22. And he warns us that if you live like that, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a serious indictment. You cannot inherit the kingdom of God and live like that. Then he lists the great fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Follow the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Do not live according to the flesh. Do not live according to the law. Do not be deceived. 6, 7. God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what they sow. Simple fact of life. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, that is his flesh, from that nature will reap reap destruction. So if you sow to the flesh, if you sow to your natural desires, if you sow to what you want to do and how you want to do it, you're going to have destruction. 
if you sow to please the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the third person of the Holy Trinity, what's going to happen? You're going to reap, reap eternal life. Now, what would you prefer, destruction or eternal life? It's a pretty simple answer. Not easy to do, though. So this is why your relationship with God is so important, that you're submitting to God, and you're submitting to Christ, and you're following the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. Then you will be led by the Spirit instead of the flesh. Therefore, as we have opportunity, he says in verse 10, let us do good to all people, wonderful thing, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. It's a very, very good thing to do good to all people. Well, chapter 4, chapter 5, and chapter 6, first half of chapter 6 in Galatians is fabulous. So, again, another great scripture. Let's read that carefully. Let's continue to follow Jesus in Mark, beginning in Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, 24. Now again, Jesus is at the, in the middle of his ministry. He is preaching, he's teaching, he's casting out devils. He is healing, he is doing nature miracles. Let's see what we're going to come up with today. 724 to 37. You have two miracles. You have a woman who goes to Jesus whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit. And the, and the girl's not there. She's a long distance away. Miraculous. Then you have a healing of a deaf and dumb man at the end of chapter 7. Puts his fingers in the man's ears. He spits. He touches his tongue. The man's ears were open. His tongue was loosened. He began to speak plainly. Now, who do you know can do that? Who do you know and believe in that can do that? Only Jesus can do that. In chapter 8, we have the great feeding of the 4,000. Remember, we had the feeding of the 5,000. This is the second. This is the second feeding. Remember, this is 4,000 men. This does not include the women and children. So you're talking at least probably 15,000 people. They had nothing to eat. I have compassion for the people. See, Jesus says in verse 2, well, we're not going to be able to get enough bread, verse 4. How many loaves do you have? Seven. He took the seven loaves, he broke them, and he gave them before the people, and they had a few small fish. Real tiny. They're not this big. Little tiny fish. And they ate them, and they were satisfied. They had seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. 4,000 men were present, verse 9. What are you going to say to that? Everybody brought their lunch and shared it? No. They had nothing to eat. They didn't carry anything with them. They didn't have anything with them, or very little at best. The miracle of Jesus providing for his people. Who's providing for you? Who's taking care of your needs? Who's nurturing you? The yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, I mean the Pharisees and Herod. Again, Jesus is teaching. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls did you have? Verse 19, 12. When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls? Seven. And he says, do you not understand? Look at that verse, 21. Do you not understand? So as you're reading the scriptures, you want to understand what is Jesus doing? What is God saying in Isaiah? What is Paul saying in Galatians? What is Jesus saying in Mark 7, 8, and 9? What is he saying to me? What is God saying to me in Isaiah 55, for example, 56, 52, 51? What is Paul saying to me in Galatians? 
the healing of a blind man at Bethsaida. Anybody can heal a blind man? No. He leads him outside. He begins to see. Jesus asked the disciples a great question at Caesarea Philippi. He says, who do you say that I am? Who do people say that I am? Sorry. Who do people say that I am? He's later going to say, who do, you, who, do, uh, who do you say I am? Oh, there's some say John the Baptist and others Elijah and still others one of the prophets. Then he looked at you, and that's what he's doing to us today as you listen to this recording. Who do you say that Jesus is? Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anybody about him. Isn't that enigmatic? Why would he say that? He then predicts his death. He then predicts his death in 31. He's going to suffer. He's going to be rejected. He's going to be killed, and he's going to rise again. Peter goes to rebuke him, and Jesus rebukes Peter. Verse 34. Then he gets the crowd together, and he says, If anyone's going to come after me and going to follow me, they must deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life or her life for me and the gospel will save it. And I love this next line. What good is it for a person to gain the whole world to let you lose his soul or her soul? What can a person give in exchange for their soul? How much is your soul worth? Remember earlier I told you how the value of your soul. All right. And then finally, let's look at chapter 9, the transfiguration where Jesus is seen in all of his glory. Astonishing revelation of who Jesus is. Again, God speaks and says, this is my son, verse 7, whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to what Jesus says. Didn't we hear that in uh, Isaiah 55? Yeah, 700 B.C. Listen to him. And finally, we have the healing of the boy with the spirit. Jesus does a miracle again, another miracle. So he's doing something with his body, the transfiguration. He's doing something in healing with the healing of the boy, the healing of the blind man at Bethsaida, the healing of the deaf and dumb man at the end of seven, the faith of the, uh, you had the Syrophoenician woman uh, asking for healing for the, for the daughter that has a demon. So he drives out demons, then he feeds people, 15,000 plus. He talks about teaching them uh, in the middle of chapter eight. And then, of course, you have his confession, his prediction of his death. And then he tells us what's most important, and that is to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. This is an excellent week for learning and an excellent week, week of uh, reading the scriptures. We'll see you next week as we celebrate the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany. Enjoy this week. God bless you abundantly.